Happy Hump Day, America. You've almost through the longest week of the There's a game on Saturday, Ohio State at Indiana, and we're back on the podcast daily, one day closer to kickoff. And we're going to play Bill's favorite game. He's Bill Landis. I'm Austin Warren. Shoots and Ladders? I didn't know that was your favorite game. It's not. It's just the first one I thought of. I didn't bring Shoots and Ladders. Um, I think my favorite game was like NHL 2003. <laughs> we can play that if you want. What about 97? Is that I, one guess, I guess I'm older than you. That's yeah, what you are. I proved it. Wow. <laughs> um, it's called, What Does Bill Landis Not Know About the Buckeyes? As they get ready to play on Saturday. Well, we played that game already. There, I mean, there's plenty I don't know. But now there's, training camp is over. There's more. There's, there's more a game in three list. days. Because I, I, I would think that that list has shrunk. But maybe I'm wrong. No, I think it has. I, I do feel like there's not a whole lot of, of ambiguity going into this game. Um, still, uh, maybe a little unclear on on exactly what's going on at running back, and which actually might have been the way I let off the show the last time we did this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But I I had been wondering for I don't know maybe a week and a half or two weeks if if perhaps our read on the running back situation was a little off or whether or not we were getting perhaps a little over our skis with Travion Henderson and how much of the workload that he might be taking on uh, for, for the offense. And then Ryan Day on, on Tuesday still felt like there was some delineation there, but he was sure, sure to mention Mayan Williams and sure to mention Chip Traynham, which in itself was, was interesting mm-hmm. that he was the third guy there. Dallin Hayden, and then it was like, well, we'll see what we can do with Evan Pryor. So I don't think it's a three-headed monster. Um, or a, th- a three-headed, uh, like you know, balanced rushing attack. I do still think a hydra, a hydra, if you will. Yeah, it could be because if you, you, know, you take one you out off. and two more come back, there's enough running backs to do it if you wanted to. Um, but it's probably a more balanced attack, maybe than than we were giving it credit for. Uh, you know, two two or three weeks ago, when everyone was talking so highly about Travion, um, that hasn't slowed down, but. I do think there's something to the idea of they want to make sure they get him all the way through the season, not put so much on him right away. So I, I guess I, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I guess I mean, me and I feel stronger that, you know, Mayan Williams and, and Chip Trainum especially are probably more of the, more a part of the game plan against Indiana than I would have thought previously. Is this because you were going through the, Regulators social media clip shared by Ohio State, Zapruder style. Let's talk about it. Is this why you're on a little bit more uncertain because you saw number five and number nineteen on the field at the same time? Yeah, I, I, for, I, I wish I had my phone on my phone away. Somebody pointed that out to me, so I don't, I don't want to take the credit for it. I love that Ohio State fans watch a thirty second clip of the linebackers and come away with, "Hey, Chip Trainum was blocking for Dallin Hayden there." Um, <laughs> But it's a thing, right? Because it looked like it was a first-team offensive line, too. So I, I think that's more instructive about Chip probably than it is about, about Dallin. I think both are part of the equation, but it just opens up a different world of possibilities for Chip Trainum that I wasn't considering as we've thought like this entire offseason. What's going on with the fullback position? What are you going to do? And I think you might have like, mentioned it to Chip, and Chip's like, I don't want to do that. But but now, I don't want to say now he's going to do it, but it at least appears that they have been experimenting with a an idea along those lines. Yeah, I think that look, that's an easier thing to say you do or don't want to do uh, in February or March or April. And then I'm not speaking for Chip Trainum in any way. That conversation happened a long time ago. But the situation can certainly change. Once you get into training camps, like, oh, wow, there really are five running backs and everybody stayed and it's going to be super tough to get a bunch of carries. Like, how else can I help the team? I think that – 
clearly Chip Traynham has always put the team first, or he wouldn't have embraced a move to linebacker and then gone back to running back in the middle of the season when they needed to. That's this isn't about some like, well, if you if you make me play tight end or fullback, I'm out of here. Like that's that's not Chip Traynham's yeah. approach to football and to being a teammate. And maybe that shifts over time because it's been one of the weirdest parts of this offseason in the spring because I. I've asked a ton of questions about the fullback and tight end, and like in the grand scheme of things, it's it's almost almost insignificant, maybe only significant to me. But it's a position that Ohio State has used, and Mitch Rossi was a valuable asset to Ohio State, even if not used to tremendous effect. And like I view Chip Traynham as a an evolutionary version of Mitch Rossi, who could really expand things, and he can block, he can catch, he can run, he can do all the things that you would ask for, and it's like. Maybe I'll get my way. I don't know. I, yeah, I think you will, especially maybe when they get down in the red zone too, when you just want extra blockers in there. And, and maybe that's when you see a Luke Montgomery get on the field, perhaps in that, in that bison position or bison, bison, um, or, you know, a more traditional tight end like a Joe Roy or a G Scott. I think there's ways to get creative down there. I think maybe, maybe that's the thing that was the most encouraging about it. And Ryan Day did say this on Tuesday. Like we had, he said, we're going to play you know, five to six receivers, two to three tight ends, all the running backs, basically. And that allows us to be creative. And that's that's the word that I want to hear from Ohio State's offense. And that's not to say that they haven't been. They, they clearly have been, and they've been very good at it. But when you have that kind of talent at your disposal and there's different ways you can experiment using guys, like, why not do it? You know, maybe it won't work. Maybe they'll try it against Indiana and come away thinking that that's not the best use of their personnel if they put Chip in that situation. But I think it's worth trying. Um, because it was an important package for them last year at times, especially in a world where they can kind of only re- really rely on one inline tight end. Um, it's a little different this year, I think, or at least I, I think it's going to be, but it's still something nice to have in your back pocket. You know what I really hadn't considered until week zero, Bill, about that, whether that's usage of running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, everybody else fullback, the changes to the clock. I don't, I, I'd almost completely forgot about it yep. and the number of plays that you're losing. The game still took three and a half hours anyway. But they lost, you know, on average in this small sample size, you know, it was down to like 63 plays per team, yep. I think, was the number that I saw. If that plays out for Ohio State as well, that's a decent chunk that they'd be losing. And then that has an effect of, you know, number of touches, number of snaps, number of reps, all those things come into play. And that, that's going to require some adjustment as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head what Ohio State averaged last year. I would guess somewhere close to 70 plays per game. And there were probably games where it got up into the 80s, depending on who they were playing. It, it does feel significant, right? You take, take 10 plays off the board in a game, especially in a, in a big game. Um, I think that matters. I think that that causes you to, to rethink things. And I guess that's that's something that, that I don't know is is how Ryan Day and Ohio State might adjust to that. Um, and it makes, I, I don't know. I guess on one hand, I could see them perhaps running the ball more because you could really play ball control when you're in a game like that um, and the clock is running the way it is. But I also could see a world where that makes you like more eager to push push the pedal down and really take those shots because you only have so many plays. Like there's a, there's a finite number, obviously, and the number is now smaller. So uh, I don't know how they're going to approach it. I guess that's game by game. Um, if I had to guess, I think Ryan Day might ratchet up the aggressiveness, though. That wouldn't be such a bad thing in my estimation because I think we've watched enough times and, and asked Ryan Day, like, hey, you guys are really good at tempo. Like, why don't you use it more? Mm-hmm. Maybe that would force the issue for them to do that, especially early on in games. Like, let's just get this over with. Yeah, they they have used tempo as a weapon, but not the like always full bore as fast as you could possibly go kind of tempo. They do that sometimes. They probably do that 
less frequently than they do anything else, anything else regarding tempo. So, um, yeah, I mean, I want to live in a world where Ohio State's offense is running as many plays as possible because it's fun to watch. So uh, anything they do need to do to get to that point is okay with me. Okay, so it is not news that I don't know what the safety rotation is going to look yeah, like. Neither do I. <laughs> and it, it's got a little more complicated by the rise of Malik Harford, a little bit of you know injury concern again for Jihad Carter in camp, and then you know just waiting to see if this is the time that Josh Proctor elevates to the level that we've been talking about or projecting for six years. You, like, we don't know what it's going to look like. Jim Knowles said on Tuesday, yeah, I think you'll see all three of them play. And I don't know what that means, if it's good or bad or indifferent, or if that's just a position battle that has to play out, or if he means packages. Again, I've not had a good feel for that literally all year. No, well, I, I you feel good about Lathan and Sonny, though, right? Are yeah. you in agreement with me that like they're going to be on the field basically all the time? I don't think they'll ever come up. Yeah. So, but the adjuster position in particular, yeah, has gotten a little more foggy. Like Zach Warren asked me during the season preview show we did at Landgren on Monday, like, who do you think the third starting safety is? And I didn't really have a good answer then. And I feel like I know, I'm like, I'm less certain now. We're not that far removed from that. Like, I don't. <clears throat> the Malik Hartford thing feels real. Feels yeah, real. It's, it's real, right? Like, I, I, so I don't. I don't really know how to take that. Like, they're really going to put a true freshman there to, to start, and even doesn't start, he's going to play the majority of the snaps. Like, the way that the Jim Knowles talked about Josh Proctor made me think that it's probably not going to be him. And that's not to say he's not going to play, but he talked more about how good Proctor is playing in that position, but then coming downhill to support the run. He didn't talk about. Um, you know, like football savvy, the way that he has with with Jihad Carter and, and Malik Hartford, impressively enough, and, and like the the range and covering a lot of ground, you would think at, at that position. So maybe that's more of like a specialized adjuster role for for Josh Proctor as they look to find a way to, to work him in. So I think it's probably either Jihad Carter or Malik Hartford, but I, I would have like bet what's in my bank account on Jihad Carter being that guy probably three weeks ago, and now I would. I would like to pull that money back, please, because I don't think that's going to work out in my favor. I wonder if there's a world where two years ago there were people that asked me, like, this coaching staff loves Josh Proctor's athleticism. Like, could he play corner? And Josh was, like, sort of open to that idea. It wasn't ideal for him. I wonder if they'd gone the other way at some point. He's like, you know what? He's got to play inside the box. He kills people. Uh, you know, he's a headshot guy. So physical, like if if maybe at some point they should be like, you know what, let's let's try this Court Williams thing. And I know that Josh is tall and athletic, but like maybe if he'd played linebacker, or gosh, even Jack, like if things could have worked out differently for him. Because the adjuster part, the free safety center field things, you know, he's it's not that Josh Proctor can't do it, that he's not good enough to do it. It just hasn't seemed like a natural fit. We've seen enough times where he's, you know, made plays on the football but can't. Dropped more interceptions probably than anyone in Ohio State history, which, you know, is not, you know, covering any breaking news. That's happened to him, and he's been frustrated by that like everybody else. But And that could maybe still happen over the course of the year. Ohio State seems really will, willing to experiment and try and find ways to utilize athleticism. But I don't know that Josh Proctor in this final season at Ohio State, like, if that's the ideal spot for him. Yeah, I, I would say it's more one of the other two spots, but he's just not going to play ahead of, of Lathan and Sonny. He was always a guy, like, when we were in the world, we were talking about the bullet all the time. I always thought that Josh Proctor would be pretty well suited for that role, and maybe they tried it a little bit, but then he got hurt and didn't really work out. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know what that's going to look like. I think he's a super important special teams guy, for sure. Um, and they'll try to mix him in on, on, on defense. Um, 
but he's also provided he stays healthy. I think he's going to be the kind of guy where like it just didn't really work out here. But then like you watch on Sundays, and it's like what Josh Proctor is like flying around making plays in the NFL. It's like, yeah, because he's a freak athlete, and they gave him a very streamlined position, uh, and they figured out how to use him. Sometimes you know you get a little caught in between in college, but I, you know, this is still college football where you have to win on special teams, and Josh Proctor's done that willingly for a long, long period of time, and you know that's important too for Ohio State. So that'll be interesting, but. Really looking forward to on Saturday figuring out how those configurations work, what they yeah. look like. Um, what else? Anything else that you're? No, like I said, I think I think there's a lot. A lot of the rest of it is it seems pretty clear. Like maybe what's going on at defensive tackle in terms of what that looks like beyond the, the big three, for lack of a better term, of Mike Hall, Ty Hamilton, and Tyleek Williams. Jim Knowles was talking about the depth on on Tuesday, and Larry Johnson talked a little bit about that a couple of weeks ago. And and I believe it. I do think they're very deep there. How many guys do they play or how many guys do they trust in high leverage snaps I think remains to be seen. Um, like where's Taiwan Malone fit fit in that conversation? I think it'll be interesting to monitor. Um, other than that, like I, I, do, I do really feel like they're set. Like there, there are concerns, I guess, along the offensive line, but I think we know who's going to play, right? And, and I think we know who's going to play just about every other position. So aside from the quarterback curiosity, uh, I do feel like you know we have a pretty – firm handle on what's gonna, what it's going to look like on Saturday. That defensive line situation, I, nobody wants me to, to say this, but when Jim Knowles says, well, defensive line is kind of its own world, <laughs> I don't, I can't say that I loved hearing that. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to you for not audibly gasping when, when Jim Knowles said that. Um, I was screaming inside. Yeah, I'm sure you were. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what that means. I, I, if the idea is get everybody to the end of the game fresh, so we can play our best players when it matters most, then I'm, then I'm on board with that. If it's more like last year, we've talked about this at nauseum. I know people are probably sick of hearing. It. If it's more like last year, where there was just no plan and guys were playing like sort of in a hodgepodge manner, depending on the whims of Larry Johnson in that particular moment. Then, then that's not so good. But I'm, I'm at least willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they will have the right guys out there at the right time. Yeah, I would love – trust me, America, there's nothing I would love more than to be able to stop talking about it. You're sick of hearing it. I'm sick of talking about it. <laughs> I don't want to do it, I swear to you. It's not not some something that I'm just clinging to dear life to keep doing. <laughs> I would really love to let that part go. Um, but, again, like that's the great part. Saturday we get some answers, and – there will be more questions coming out of the open, and that always happens. Like, we're going to see something we don't expect. We're going to see some things that confirm uh, any notions. Like, quarterback is part of it, but I don't think we needed to make another podcast episode about it. No, it's time to watch them play, right? And, and I'm excited to analyze that and talk about it after it happens. But I, I'd also be pretty happy if the word quarterback does not come out of my mouth again until after the game now. That's not, that won't be the case, by the way. I was going to say, can <laughs> you make that? We're going to have to do like some bold predictions no. and – I'm sure Doug will want to do a two-hour quarterback podcast. So So look for that on Kings of Columbus. There is still a lot of other uh, content coming your way. There will be some snappy Jays later on on Wednesday night. Back on the game week schedule for Ohio State. So a handful of players will talk after practice. Uh, Bill and I will be back to break that down. Uh, Lots going on as we're getting ready for Saturday. Ohio State and Indiana cannot wait. Thanks for spending part of your Wednesday with us. For Bill, I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.